If you can stand all over the building for the reading of the word of God, Genesis chapter 9, 9, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. If you got it, shout, I got it. If you need a second, say, hold on a second. I heard you, I heard you. We're continuing our teaching on the problem with love. This is our second installation. Uh, we'll be talking about loving who you have to respect. And this almost seems like a mis a misspeak, for lack of a better term, to say the problem with love because we, you know we, we're taught that everything about love solves all the problems, but the reality is that love oftentimes complicates our life. And love is more nuanced than many of us. So the reality is that, is that we have to kind of work our way around this perfect thing called love through imperfect vessels called people. So, so there are some complications that come with being a lover the way that God loves. There are some complications that come with expressing love the way that God expresses it. Because God does some things with love that's absolutely, outrageously antithetical to what we want to do. But he calls us to it anyway. So we have a series called The Problem with Love. And today I want to talk to you about, about loving who you have to respect. Let's start this conversation in Genesis chapter 9. And uh, around the 18th verse, um, it reads like this. Now, the sons of Noah who went out from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were the sons of Noah, and from these the whole earth was populated. And Noah began to be a farmer, and he planted a vineyard. Then he drank of the wine and was drunk, and he became uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. But Shem and Japheth took a garment laid it on their shoulders, on both shoulders, and went backward and covered their nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned away, and they did not see their father's nakedness. So, so Noah awoke from his wine and knew that his younger son, what his younger son had done to him. Then he said, cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants he shall be to his brethren. And he said, blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem, and may Canaan be his servant. And may God enlarge Japheth. And may he dwell in the tents of Shem. And may Canaan be his servant. And Noah lived after the flood 350 years. So all the days of Noah were 950 years. And he died. I would, uh, the word of the Lord is blessed. I want you to find uh, three people and tell them loving who you have to respect. Loving who you have to respect. Loving who you have to respect. I want you to look at one other person dead in their eyes and say, do you respect me? Uh-huh. Looking back. Looking back in the eyes. Same person. I'll ask him, do you love me? Yeah. 
So, Father, I do bless you, and I give you the glory now, and I do thank you, Lord. I thank you that your hands are on us, and I thank you that your grace is with us. I thank you that your anointing is in this building. Your presence is heavy. So, Father, I pray that you would allow us to teach and preach in such a manner that heaven is pleased, that hearts are transformed, that purpose is renewed, that order is reset. And in this, I give you the praise, and I give you the glory, and I give you the honor. Send the anointing that makes receiving the gospel even easier. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Smile at somebody say, it's just church. And we will have communion immediately following the preached message. So don't rush out, uh, hang out, and, and share the meal that heals with us this morning. Amen? Um, the problem with love part two, I'm going to take my time. I, I'm going to teach a lot this morning as, as opposed to preach, but I do want to teach. Um, the problem with love part two, loving what you have to respect. You have to respect. Um, we spent some time last week uh, un unpacking why and how love can be such a convoluted and complicated uh, endeavor for us to perform. And part of it is because love, it, God, the Bible teaches us that God is love. And that God is not just a lover. He, he does not just love us. He is love. He does not just give love. He is love. So now love is not just an action, but it's connected to the personage of who God has proclaimed himself to be. God is love. And this love, uh, according to Corinthians 13, has given us some ways in which it expresses itself. It's patient, it's kind, it's loving, it's uh, long-suffering, it prefers its neighbor over itself. You guys know the story. If you have not read it, you should read uh, the chapter of Corinthians. And he tells us that there are three things that abide, hope and faith and love. And the greatest of all of these virtues, the Bible says, is love. Love is a powerful thing. In fact, I believe it was Diana Ross that says that what the world needs now is... All right. Amen. Um, and, and every now and then I bring these things out because I like to know where my sanctified section is <laughs> and where, and where my, my need to be at the altar section is. Amen. So, but, uh, but, and so this is a reality. And what she is saying is that what the world needs is these expressions of love. That's what she's really trying to say, is that what the world really needs now is these expressions of love. Um, and, that, and the reality that the, and in her reality rather, and in the reality of many of us, that if we could express love more often in some kind of way, world, the world would be a better place. And this is challenging. Because love is not just an action. As we see that love is a decision before it's an action. You have to decide love before you do love. And many people will do great actions that is void of their decision to love you. And you've, if, if you've ever had something very kind that was done to you, but their heart was separated from the action, you know what I'm talking about. Jesus told uh, the Pharisees, he says, I know that there's a separation between the heart and the hand because you're going to say you love me, but your heart is going to be far from me. 
So there's a separation between the heart and the hand. The heart now connects us with emotion, and we are emotional beings. God created us emotional. We are not to be driven by emotion, but we are emotional, and there is a place for your feelings. There is a place for you to think in this regard. And it is out of the heart that we mostly associate the things that we love. So the heart is the, 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 the gulf. The heart is the, the black hole of sorts. That once you let something in, it doesn't release it very easily. When you have chosen to love something, you have chosen to put all of your emotional, intellectual, physiological, and physical construct behind securing its place in your heart. And the heart is a vice that if something gets caught in it, it's stuck there till God delivers it. And that's why you've got to be careful. That's why the writer said to guard your heart because he understands that your heart is, if it's not guarded, it'll just chomp down on whatever you put in front of it. And if you don't guard it, you'll put your teeth into something or someone that ain't good for you. Uh, but everything lovely comes out of the heart. Well, the Bible said that the heart is deceitful. That's what he says. He says that in the scripture, that the heart is deceitful. And I know you don't like to think that your heart is deceitful, but your heart has lied to you more times than it's told you the truth. That's why you've experienced so much heartbreak. Your heart lied to you more often than it tells you the truth. And this is for this reason. God never intended for you to lead your life with your heart. That is counterculture to the scripture. The culture that is of the spirit of the Antichrist, I'm going all the way there, that is of the spirit of the Antichrist tells you to lead with your heart. And that if you lead with your heart, everything, that, everything good will come to you. That is not under the way that God allowed humanity to operate. You can lead with your heart and be in love with something that means you no good and you're stuck you can lead with your heart and participate in everything that feels good and what, got, and what your heart got you into in a weekend can take you 30 years to unget out of. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The heart is deceitful. The world is the one that says, trust your heart, honor your heart, trust your heart. God gave you a heart to feel. He gave you the heart to love. He gave you a heart to wrap your hands around everything that is wonderful and lovely. And he gave you a brain to be discerning of it. And the brain, somebody shout my brain. My brain doesn't have to be shut off because I have chosen to love something. But when you shut your brain off, your heart will accept things that your brain never would say yes to. Your heart will grab itself around things that your brain would say, what in the world are you doing? Your heart, your heart will bring in and love and nurture and give the best of who you are to something that your brain will say, now, if you do this, you know you're going to be broke by the end of the summer. <laughs> if you love her, you know you're going to be broke by the You know you can't afford to be with her. We, we don't have the emotional to hang out with him. Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Your brain is the tool that God gave to take in information. He gave you the heart to touch and to feel and to understand. And this is the interesting aspect about the idea of love is because God says that we are love or that he is love. God says that we should express love. And love is something that we have to decide that we are going to do. Love is a decision before it is an action. And if you decide, then you don't decide with your heart. You decide with your brain and you release with your heart. And if we can follow that matrix, we can find some sense that is connected to this idea of love. But unfortunately, if you've lived more than about five years, you have made decisions with your heart that now are complicating your brain. You have made decisions with your heart that's now making you wonder, how in the world am I going to back out of this? How in the world am I going to rebuild after this? How in the world am I going to stand again after this? We've made decisions in your heart that has made you distrust everything and everybody around you now because we didn't guard our heart. So love becomes a problem. But I thought I was doing a good thing, and when the good thing became a hurtful thing, or when the good thing became a thing that, that, that ruined my destiny, when a good thing became a thing that ruined it for everybody that would show up afterwards, when a good thing put me in bankruptcy or a good thing put you, because sometimes what you love is not people, sometimes you love stuff. And you can love your house so much, you can love your house all the way in the bankruptcy court. Amen. Or, or I love food, and you can love food all the way into the ER. Because love, was not, because love is indiscriminate. So love is not predicated just upon it being a human being inside of you. Anything that can talk back to you, whether it is talking back through a voice or talking back through an aroma or talking back through a feeling, anything that can talk to you, you can love it. Jesus, help me in this house. That's why you got to be careful who you talk to. Uh, help me in here, Holy Ghost. It is the talkers. It's the talkers. I don't really, I worry about talkers. I don't like people that talk too much. I don't like people that's around. And I'm a talker. I don't like people that talk too much. Tell me what you're going to do, getting ready to do, about to do. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to do this. I don't like talkers because when you talk and I'm not convinced the first time you tell me, that means now you're trying to convince me into what it is that I should not, probably should not be loving. Mm-hmm. So if you wasn't feeling them at the beginning of the night, Am I helping the saints at all in here? If you wasn't feeling them at the beginning of the night, don't let a couple of drinks make you fall in love by the end of the night. Because the talkers, somebody shout talkers, 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 talkers. It gets more complicated because we know that we're supposed to love one another, but sometimes the thing or the person that we're supposed to love doesn't always act out behaviors that, that warrant the love that God told us we're supposed to give to them. And how do I handle loving someone that doesn't always give me that same love back? How do I handle being committed to the command of God and expressing the love, making the decision to love, and then putting the action to love to somebody that doesn't deserve my love? How do we do that? How do we handle that? How do we do this? How do we handle that? How do we do this? How do we handle And furthermore, what if that love is supposed to go towards somebody that God has commanded me to respect. How do I love somebody I don't respect? How do I love a father that wasn't a father to me? How do y'all not talking back to me? 
How do I love a mother that wasn't a mother to me? How do I love a mentor that dropped me? How do I love a, a sponsor that never sponsored me? How do I love somebody I've sown into but never sown back to me? How do I respect somebody, watch this, that God has called me to respect? And if, uh, love is so simple. No, it's not. It just got complicated because now I got to love what I don't respect. And you've got to understand this about God is that before God showed you that he was loving, he showed you that he was God, which means that God wanted respect before he wanted love. And respect matters to God, that you are not going to be able to love God if you don't respect God. And God gives you an inference by helping you understand who he is. God is not God's name. Y'all didn't know that. Everybody looking like, for real? Everybody look down and start taking notes. His name is not God. God is not his name. God is his position in the earth. And God means ultimate. It means, it means supreme being. It means ultimate one. That's what God means. So God took the title. And when he gave the commandment, the first thing he said is that there shall be no other gods before me. Nobody will take my position. Of all the things you are going to do as a people, you are going to respect my position. And then he says, so I will give positions in the earth that you have to respect the same way you respect me. Before I heal you, before I deliver you, before I set you free, you're going to have to respect me as being God. So you've got my respect because you created the stars, the moon, the sun, and the earth, but you let my baby die. You got my respect because you gave me the breath in which I breathe. But, but you made my husband leave me. You got, you got, you got my, you, you supposed to have my respect, but nothing that you're doing warrants my respect. And then you got the nerve to say, I got to love you when I don't yet know if I respect. See, this is what the world doesn't want to acknowledge. And sometimes the church doesn't want to acknowledge because we take on the way of the world. And I get, I'm grateful because I'm just as easily susceptible to anything as anybody else in this room. But the, 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 one of the differences that God forced me, that my job depends on me reading the Bible. So fortunately, that even, even if I wasn't, you know, I have to read stuff and I can't deny what it is that I read. And I want you to understand something about the way that God operates. The way that God operates is very different than the world. We are not all on the same level in God's eyes. God speaks about rank. He speaks about order. He speaks about hierarchy. God speaks about authority in the earth. And when it comes to God, even though we all have the same intrinsic value as human beings, we do not all play on the same level in the earth. And when God gets ready to bless a people, he blesses from the top all the way down to the bottom, from the head to the beard to the garment, the head to the lesser to the lesser, from the head to the lesser to the lesser. And the world has told us that we're all one and nobody's greater or less right nobody means more than anybody else but when God gets ready to bless he gives someone authority and somebody has to honor that authority if they're going to receive the blessing and I'm convinced that one of the reasons why our generations don't have blessing on their life is not because they don't love God it's not because they don't do good things in the earth it's because they have no honor for the people God has placed over them as authority. 
I'm going to preach this whether you want this or not. I'm going to preach this whether you want this or not. God, when God made you a parent, he gave you authority in the earth. When God made you a pastor, he gave you authority in the earth. When God made you a man, he gave you authority in the earth. And the child should not be telling the parent how the house is going to get run. Am I help? Am I help? Uh, because when there is no order, the Bible calls it anarchy. Jesus, help me in this place. Anarchy is not that there aren't people with power. It's that there are people that have power that have no order. And your house is chaos if your four-year-old can check you. And I, and I wanted to be able to have a voice. And I was telling first servant that I was, I was in a household. I, I, I grew up as, of the many things that I do understand. I understand honor. I do not let my mentors walk in the room without acknowledging them. I don't let elderly people stand while I sit. Y'all ain't talking back to me in this house. I, I, I disagree with a lot of stuff that I hear, but I keep my mouth shut because order says it ain't your turn. I grew up in a house where my parents, they allowed us to express our displeasure, but, but how you expressed your displeasure meant everything. I mean, you, there wasn't no, mommy, no, and then, yeah, this is what you said. And I, we didn't get to do that in the Fletcher household. It was you just took it, and then you doubled back later, and you said, well, can we review what we... <laughs> Because, not, not, not because I had a totalitarian house, but because we had a house that had authority. And if, the, and if the house of God and if the people of God and the families that honor God don't see that this is the way God operates in the earth, then we will dishonor everything that God has anointed to bless us. And then whether you voted for him or not, he's your president. Amen. And don't get mad because you didn't go vote. He's your president, and you can disagree, and you cannot like it, but there's a way you're supposed to disagree, and there's a way you're supposed to express that you don't like it. You do not get to dishonor in the name of honor and expect the blessing of their position to fall on you. I'm talking to somebody in here. I'm, I'm gonna help. I, want, I want to flip a generation that feels, that believes that earning is the way toward respect. And in the Bible, that is not the way that God issued respect. By his divine design that you are going to be in authority, he says everything underneath you should respect the fact that I gave you authority. And I'm about to show you something in Scripture real quick. I want to show you a story about Noah. And you understand Noah? Noah was the person where it rained for 40 days, for 40 nights. God went and found a righteous man, told Noah, he says, Noah, he says, uh, you're going to build an ark, and I'm going to make it rain for 40 days. Noah built an ark. It rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. After they landed on dry land, we pick up the story right around where we started reading. After the ark, uh, after the waterfalls, Noah decides that him and his three sons, Shem, Japheth, and Ham, they and their wives and their children were the remaining survivors called to populate the rest of the world. And what happens one day is that Noah decides that he's going to be a farmer. And he starts to farm. And what he farms, at least in part, he farms grapes. 
and from those grapes he made drink and he made wine. And he drank too much of his own uh, uh, produce and he got drunk and, his, and in some way his drunkenness led to his nakedness. He was drunk, and all of a sudden, he winds up naked. Now, let's unpack this story for a few seconds because we really can't talk about respect, uh, respecting who you love until you understand the position of the father in ancient communities. The position of the father in the ancient community was a liken to being the prince or the king or the president of that family line. If you were a father, there was such an honor that God bestowed upon fathers that if you were a father, you got the last say-so. You got the big piece of chicken. You got the opportunity to express and to explain. You were the mouthpiece for the tribe. You were the face of the tribe. If you were a father, you were the head honcho. The blessing of the inheritance was given to the father to give away as he so saw fit to give away the blessing, meaning that he could give it away in proper order order to the oldest son then down the line or he could withhold from one and give it to another and it was all seen as right because not because of how good he was not because of how right he was but because of the position that God gave him in the earth that being a father in ancient days meant that you had an authority and a responsibility to both God and to whom has to serve underneath you as children and in that you were supposed to command respect. So when we talk about the person that's laid out drunk on the floor, I I don't want you to say it's just Noah, a regular person that's laid out on the floor. He is the authority that is laid out in the middle of the floor. He builds a farm based off of his authority. He has a lot of great fruit based off of his authority. And just like many of us that have authority and have great fruit, we have a tendency to drink our own victories. <sighs> to drink our own victories and get relaxed in where we're good. Am I preaching to anybody? He got relaxed in what he was good at doing. He had gotten to the place where he said, I'm better at this than everybody else and, and I've got the position in the earth and nobody's going to notice if I do more than what I should be doing. And he found himself having done more than what he should be doing to the tune of not just being drunk, but somewhere in the drunkenness, he started taking his clothes off. What level of drunk (laughs) do you have to be to start taking your clothes off? Now, I didn't been in many nightclubs in my life. And I've seen a whole lot of drunk people in my life. But I've not seen anybody be so drunk that they start disrobing. In the, maybe, maybe y'all party harder than I party. Y'all looking back at me like, I have, I have. Nobody asked y'all what you thought today. Amen. But I've not seen anybody. I don't know what level of drunk you got to be and how, how, how far in itself indulged that you have to be in order for you to get to a position and a place where you think and feel that you can perform activities that won't expose your tail. (laughs) Noah finds himself in a position where now he's drunk and then he's on the floor. And while he's on the floor, the Bible says that his son, Ham, 
comes over to the house to see his father. And he sees his father, and his father's laying, laying in the middle of the floor. Naked. And his father, the Bible says he leaves and he goes and he tells his brothers, hey, look, daddy's, daddy's in there naked. And he brings his brothers in to see, to, see his brothers na- to see his father's nakedness, but his brothers don't want to inspect it. Ham is in, pro- Ham, Ham is in, a, in a sticky situation. He's in a sticky situation because he now has to respect somebody that's in a position where he's not very respectable. He's got to find a way to make him the king of this house, even though he's acting like the jester of the house. He has to find a way to honor his wife, even though she doesn't always behave honorable. He's got to find a way to respect the boss that doesn't always act in the manner that's befitting of the position that I placed him in. And Ham is in an interesting position because he, he obviously does the wrong thing because he's not able to deal with the position and the person. I'm going to help you in here. Write this down, number one. How, how do I love who I have to respect? The number one way you love who you have to respect is you have to separate the position from the person is that you have to realize that the dynamic of what it takes to be the person moves at a different pace than the dynamic that it takes for them to be excellent at the position. And when a person has position as a father in the household or as a wife in the household or as a mother over a child or as a president over a company or as a pastor over a church, and when you have authority in the earth, the person is going to go through many more ups and downs than the position is going to require you to go through. And if you are connected to somebody that has position and you don't know how to deal with the person or you hold the person at the same standard by which you idolize the position, they are going to break your heart when the position cannot hold the character of the person. He said he finds the father, the head of the position, and he is unable to separate the person from the position. And this, and this is why the church, one of the one of the, the, the healing place, we are the only ones that kill our wounded. We the church is the only place that can't wait to see how bad the pastor that messed up? How bad the bishop that messed up? How many people the missionary that lied on? How many people that the first row is doing right or doing wrong? We're the only ones that take a tally on all of the people that have, wound, have been wounded. And here's what they don't understand is that the anointed that God has given Noah is very different than the anointed person who is Noah. And what am I trying to say is that when I'm on this stage, I am as powerful as I will ever be in my life. 
life because the anointing of God and his power descends on me. But when I step off of the stage and the anointing lifted, the anointed makes just as many mistakes as the people that he has to preach to. And if you hold him to the standard of the anointing instead of seeing the humanity of the anointed, you will fall for what Ham fell for and you'll see a person in power naked and go tell your brothers about him. Am I preaching to anybody in here? I don't know who I'm talking to in this place, but I pray that this next season of your life, God sends you people that will cover your nakedness and not expose your nakedness. I pray you're too anointed to have people in your life that don't know how to handle you in your humanity. He said, he walks in, he looks, and he cannot separate the position of my father behaving like this. How am I going to be able to respect him tomorrow? There's no way I'm going to be able to listen to him preach tomorrow. There's no way he's going to come home and command this house tomorrow. There's no, I, I can't honor my father or my mother based off of the argument I heard them have last night with one another. Now, am I preaching to anybody in this? He says I can't separate the position and the power. I cannot separate, rather, the position from the person. And he finds himself in, in one of the most unique spaces, uh, a space where many of us find ourselves in, is what am I going to do with the information that I now have? The Bible says, watch what happens now. The Bible says in verse 21 and 22 that, uh, that, that, he, that he was naked and exposed and, and ham saw his father's nakedness and went and told his brothers. That's what the Bible says. He became uncovered in his tent and Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and he went and told his two brothers. I want to give you the second thing that you have to do if you're going to, to love somebody that you have to respect. The second thing is you have to protect who comes into the tent. I want you to see the propensity of what happens now is that Ham comes in and he sees his father's nakedness and instead of covering his father's nakedness, he goes and he tells people outside the tent what just took place in the tent. God help me in this place. And, he, and most of the time when we tell people outside the tent what took place in the tent, they generally don't have the maturity to understand the dynamics of him even being in the tent to be able to handle the information that just got back to them. But you've got to understand, I say this all the time, one of the reasons why I am so grace-filled for people that make mistakes is not just because I've made my own, but there is a reason why people do things. Even if it's a foolish thing, even if not a smart thing, there is something that is driving the behavior. And if you don't understand what's driving the behavior, you've got to keep your mouth off the action if you don't understand 
what catalyzed the action. You've got to see how Noah's life is. Noah is a person that God tells that I'm going to kill everybody in this world except for you. And you are going to have to live after millions of people die. And you're not going to be able to ask why. You're not going to be able to consult with anybody. I'm going to put the burden of surviving on your shoulders. God, help me in this place. I'm going to bless your children. And you're going to have to explain why your house was blessed and nobody else's house was blessed. That's because he was kissing up to the pastor. And the only reason he got to preach is because he hang out on the weekend. And that, that, that he has to carry the weight of being chosen to carry the mission of God to pass. He now has to be the head of a family that doesn't understand why God chose him to be alive. So now he has survivors with why did God bless me instead of blessing everybody else he's got millions of dead bodies on his hand he's got a world where dead bodies are everywhere he's trying to build a life for himself in the middle of shrapnel and carnage and dead things y'all are not talking back to me in here it was not plush and beautiful when he got off the boat everything had died if it could not swim it died in the storm. He's stepping over dead bodies and dead horses and dead dogs and dead, y'all are not, he has got to some kind of way calibrate his mind that I am responsible for everything. God put the burden on my shoulders. There's no wonder that he went to drinking to try to calm down what his mind could not comprehend. And while you might not run to a bottle. You run the food. You run the bad TV. You run the gossipy friends. All of us find a way to try to deal with the stress. He is in the tent trying to deal with the life that he has left. God, I wish I was preaching to somebody in here. Uh, I want to talk to somebody that had to make a life out of what was left. That, 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 that disqualifies half the people in this room. But you don't know what I'm talking about. If you've had everything and never had nothing taken from you and never lost anybody that you loved and never had things stripped from you that you worked hard for, but if you have, you know what it's like to have to make a life out of what was left. And it's in the moment of having to make a life out of the mess that was left. I can't, I can't talk to these kids about this. They won't understand. I can't talk to these grandchildren about this. They won't get it. There's nobody. There's nobody that bakes for the baker in the restaurant. So he's got a restaurant and he can't get fed from anybody in the room. So he goes to the thing that dulls the senses. God, I wish I, yeah, y'all ain't talking back. I know he was a drunkard and God was against him and the hand of God. You don't know what drove folks to drugs. You don't know what drove people to pack up and walk away from their family. You don't know the, y'all, I wish I was preaching to somebody that's been to hell and back. He, 
He's not a bad man. He's just a man that is struggling to deal with the responsibility of the life he has to now build after being God's man. If I would have known, if you would have known, would you really have said yes to God? I mean, really, think about it. If he would have showed you all of this, if he would have showed you how many nights you was going to have to cry and how many people wasn't going to believe you and how many people were going to discredit what he said in your life, would you have taken this journey? Would you, would you really have taken the journey if you were going to realize that, you was gonna, that, that God had sentenced you to marry a world changer? Would you really want to do it? Because your world changer got to put her name on the line. And you got to be associated with the public name. And every time you hear the public name, be something that is less savory. It is connected to you as well. If I would have showed you all of this, would you have said yes to the call? Uh, Noah said, I didn't ask for this. God help me in this place. Noah said, I didn't ask for this. And he went to get him some peace. By the spirit. That was a different spirit than the Holy Spirit. But it worked. It just left him naked. Some things do work. They just leave you with no integrity. Some things do calm the storm of the season. They just leave you with a bad name. And so you've got to protect who comes into the tent because people that are outside of the tent don't really know what drove the behaviors that are in the tent. And what Ham didn't understand is that when he saw his father, he went and he took information outside the tent. And, and I'm convinced that sometimes it's not that people hate you while they do you the way they do you. They just don't know how to manage the information that they have about you. And sometimes it's not that they don't like you. They just have not been trained on how to deal with information. And if they have information and they're careless, you've got to stand in front of the tent and make sure that they don't get entry into the tent. Jesus, I wish I was helping somebody in here. I'm going to love somebody you've got to respect. You've got to keep every ham, the ham, from coming into the tent that might be able to expose what Noah has failed at. You got to be able to, you got to be able to look ham in the face and say, nope, you can't come in here. But he my pastor too. Nope, you can't come in here. But this is my friend too. Nope, your access is denied. Why? Because you gossip too much. Why? Because if, you, because if you find information in this family, you're going to go tell everybody what you see. Access denied. I wish I had some help in here. You've got to learn how to deny. Use your Holy Ghost to access, to deny access, to protect the people that God has called you to love and to respect. And this season, if the people that are coming into the tent are going to take information and not use it wisely, you have to use your authority and tell him this is as far as you can go. Why? Because there's an anointed one back there. There's an anointed man back there. There's an anointed woman. There's somebody with a call on their life, and I'm not going to let you put your mouth on them and ruin what God is trying to do. No weapon formed against them shall be able to prosper, and every tongue that rises up against them, God is going to shut his mouth. 
You got to protect your hand because, see, this is what, this is what, this is what Shem and Japheth knew is that that person that's in that tent, he's the one that has the right to pass down a blessing on my life. He's the one that has the authority to pass down an inheritance on my life. And though he used the form to get drunk, I'm going to use the form to feed millions. So I got to protect my father who is in a vulnerable moment. Instead of putting his business in the street, I'm going to keep it in the tent. Your whole beauty salon shouldn't know about the argument you and your husband had last night. God, I wish I was preaching to somebody in here. The whole soprano section shouldn't know about the issues you have at home. Because you're going to fall back in love and go home. But they are not going to know what to do with the information you gave them. They don't respect my husband. You gave him the bullets. You got to cover. You got to cover. You got to cover. We have to cover. We have to cover our leaders. We got to cover our, our parents. We have to cover our seniors. We have to cover our bosses. We have to cover everybody that God has given authority over us. It's time to start covering. That don't mean don't hold them accountable. That just means that you've got to learn how to cover. And I want you to see the thing that they did, the third thing, the third way that they expressed themselves and how they loved somebody that they had to respect is that they covered him with their back to it. Touch your neighbor and say, you got to cover with your back to it. Watch what happened. The, the, the son walks in and he looks at his father's nakedness in the tent. Now let me help you understand something about looking for too much stuff. I, 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 let me tell you about looking for You will find something if you're looking for it. I, God help me in this place. I promise you as God is my way, you will find something if you're looking for it. Ham went in the room and he was looking for something. And he found what he could not handle. And because he could not hold it in his heart, it came out of his mouth. Look at your naked daddy in there. And the siblings say, siblings say, dad's naked. They say, yeah, how'd he get naked? Don't know. What'd he go through to become naked? Can't really tell you. I can tell you what the internet said. How are they in this position? I don't know. I can tell you what some gossip magazine said. They said, well, wait a minute. But I don't want to offend him because you will never get nothing out of me if you disrespect me. We'll never get nothing out of him if we disrespect him. So the Bible says that they took a blanket and they put it between their shoulders and they worked their way into the room backwards. I don't want to see nothing that I'm not mature enough to handle. I don't want to deal with nothing that I cannot explain. I don't want, I don't know how he got here. I don't even really necessarily want to know why he got here. We'll talk about it when he wakes up. But right now, the job is to cover the anointed one. <laughs> My job is to cover the anointed one, not expose the anointed one. That's why I like David. Because the Bible says that David had an opportunity to elevate himself in the kingdom of God. 
he went into a cave and he saw that in that cave that he ran into, he saw King Saul over in the corner in a deep, deep sleep. The Bible says that David pulled out his dagger and he walked over to David. He knew that he was next in line for the kingdom. He knew that he was the next one that, that God had ordained to be the king of Israel. And here is King Saul, the person that's holding his inheritance. The Bible says he takes his dagger and he walks over to Saul. He stands over Saul. He pulls back his knife over Saul and he clips off the tassel. All of his friends are at the gate saying, are you going to kill him? Because if you kill him, you'll get, your, you'll get your inheritance. If you kill him, you'll get your, and he takes the, the, the tassel, and he says, he says, that's not the way you do this thing. Is that the, the road to elevation is not through exposing him. He said, he said, because I remember reading somewhere that I should not touch the anointed one, and I should do my God's prophets no harm. He said, so I'm going to put this tassel in my pocket as a reminder, not just to him of what I could have done, but a reminder to myself that it is not okay for me to uncover something that is naked, that has the audacity and the, and, and the ability to be a blessing to my life. So the next day when Saul woke up, he told Saul, hey, Saul, I saw you sleeping last night. Saul said, there's no way you saw me sleeping last night. He said, look down at the bottom of your hymn. And he looked at the bottom of his hymn and saw that the tassel was missing, and it was in that moment that Saul understood that God had his hand on David instead of on him and it wasn't because David beat him in a battle it was because David covered him when he was exposed when he was exposed so now I know what your mama did and I know what your daddy did, and I know who your daddy wasn't, and I know who your husband ain't, and I know what your wife keeps saying, and I know all these things. And she is just uncovered, and he is just uncovered, and then he is just how. Now, here's my question. How do you suppose you're going to receive your inheritance? Because the Bible says eventually Noah woke up. And when Noah woke up, he woke up flawed, but he was still anointed. Jesus. Uh, he woke up, he woke up having committed a grave deal last night, but he still woke up with the authority that God had given him. And the Bible said that when he woke up, he realized which one of them put him out there. And he looked at Ham and said, Ham, Canaan, he said, from the rest of your life, you are going to serve. Instead of being a leader, you're going to always serve. And because he's anointed, he said, Japheth, enlarge your territory. Sam, be blessed for the rest of your days. Watch this. And the one that exposed me will not get the blessing of leadership. He will get the repensable, incomparable job of following and serving and being around what could have been if he would have known how to love what he was supposed to respect. Am I helping anybody in here? Stand to your feet real quick. Stand to your feet. We, we have, we're in this world and in this space now. We're in the keep it real space. You guys can bring out the, the table. We're in the keep it real space. We're in the tell all your business space. And we wonder why there is no honor. 
we ask ourselves, why is there no respect? Why is there no honor? Why? I'm sure you guys have seen the videos. These things break my heart watching watching very capable, able-bodied teenagers sit on the subway while elderly people are, are standing. I don't... How can you command the blessing when you dishonor the order by which God blesses us? I know, I know, I know mom wasn't, wasn't worth the chair you sitting in. And dad, 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 dad doesn't deserve to be a part of by honoring him. There's something you can only get from your spouse by honoring them. There's only something your children will get from you than if they honor you. There's something that your, your boss can release over your life, your supervisor can put into your lap. There is something that your mentor can lay in your pathway if you honor them. So I come against dishonor in Jesus' name. I come against the voice of this world. I come against the spirit of this age. You are not who God has called you to respect and honor. You are who you are. And that's important as well. But we are not. I am not my bishop. Called me, he asked me, he says, hey man, I want you to come down to Dallas and spend a couple days with us. We got something going on and we need your help with. I'm like, well, Bishop, that's four days away. And I kind of, you know, clapped back. I got a new family and I'm like, man, I'm going to be at home with my people. You can't just call me like, I need a heads up now, Bishop. You can't just, <laughs> just call me like when I was single and carrying on. And I felt the check in my spirit. My Bishop called the one anointed to speak into my life, the one that I released myself to receive blessing from. He called me, said he needed my help. I went home, I had my conversations. I said, this is going to be a tough one. She said, go on. Nobody care nothing about you. You didn't get what you need. Get what you need. Help the bishop. Went down to Dallas, and I got the word of a century for my life. I was texting her all service long. So I was like, what God is saying. I can't believe what Jesus is doing. Wasn't because I was so good. Wasn't because I was so, I just honored my authority's call. Honor authority. Because the, the, the blessing, the way that God does this, this is what he tells us in the book of Romans. He says that it is critically important that you know that all authority comes from God. Romans 13. He said all authority comes from God. And if anyone resists authority, brings judgment to themselves. He said all you do, God has created us to need blessing. He has placed blessing in authority. And if authority is dishonored, they just simply withhold blessing. And if you dishonor authority all in the name of keeping it real and sharing what's on my mind, and I'm going to tell it like it is, and you wonder why, why nobody gives you the secrets to life. You wonder why nobody gives you the wisdom keys to your journey. You wonder why, yeah, you real and your Instagram blowing up. 
but you're heartbroken and you're naturally broken because what you need are not likes. You need someone that you love and can respect to release blessing to you. Now you take that for what it's worth. But I speak two things over your life. The first is that I call you as an individual and us as a church back to accountability for position. You are a man. Be a man. You're a woman. Grow up and act like one. You're a parent. Be a present parent. I call you to position. Because position matters to God. I call you back to your place where the anointing is waiting for you to activate. If you're a preacher, I call you back to position. You're an elder, I call you back to position. You're a worship person, I call you back to position. In Jesus' name. Because position matters. And if you're out of position, everybody under you can't get blessed. And neither can you receive blessing from the one that's trying to put blessing down on you. I call you back into position. The second thing that I call, very different than I called the first in this regard. The second thing I call, I call you to another level of honor. I call you to another level of honor. That in the way that God describes his relationship with the Father, he starts to tell us something. So much to the degree that we, we struggle to really understand how God is presented to us. But he tries to help us, us understand something about honor and position and authority. He said, I don't do anything that my father doesn't tell me to do. He said, I don't perform anything that, that my father. That, that he, he's in such a position of honor to the, to the will of the Godhead that if you're not careful, you'll think that it's two different people talking. And he says, but I, I've submitted myself to the greater will. And because he cannot give me a name above every name, he cannot lift me higher than where I am now if I do not honor who he is I call us to another place of honor preferring others like ourselves honor, somebody shout honor in all the ways that that is expressed and in this way we can love who we have to respect and when the people that we respect are human we can still give them respect and have love because man the position that you have I need what you got I don't have time to dishonor you. We're going to go to coffee. We're going to talk about it. But it ain't going to be on social media. I'm not going to tell all the elders and preachers about it. I'm still going to hold you accountable. Don't mean I let you off the hook. You don't get to just sin and be my friend and act like you ain't doing what you're doing. You are naked after all. But we're going to get you up. We're going to sober you up. We're going to go to Starbucks on you. And we're going to talk about how we got to this place because I got to be able to love you and respect you. I got to be able to love you and respect you because you have an anointing that I need. You've got a word that I got to hear. You've got the right hand of power that I can't operate without you paving the way for me. 
I need you to lift your hands all over this building. I don't know who you need to think about right now. I don't know who God has dropped in your spirit right now. But my God, today, I feel some things restructuring in the spirit. I feel some things restructuring in your life. I feel some order coming back to your household. Some order coming back to your mind and your thinking. I feel, I, I sense some order coming back. And the anointing can flow from the head to the beard down to the garment because there's order. And the bearded garment is respecting the head and the beard and the garments are receiving the blessing of the head. And when we operate in this order, fathers can speak over their children and they receive blessing and mothers can lay hands on their children and they receive blessings and pastors can speak over their congregation and blessings and miracles happen. And this, when the heart is open and the spirit is flowing, power is transferred, not by magic, but by the order of the Holy Ghost of God. And today you can receive the blessing that God has given me authority to lay on this house in Jesus name not because you've been so good or because I've been so good but because we're in the right position we are right now aligned in the right position so God I bless you now